This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. That's right. Oh, my. They're so good. Are you kidding me right now? That's amazing. That's amazing. Man, man. Hey, the CDs are on sale right now. You can buy them in the lobby. Um, I love this for so many reasons. Not just are they incredibly talented at playing, although not so great at getting off stage. Uh, that was awesome. He was stuck. He, he was like, I don't mean to play, but that was hilarious because I do that all the time. He was walking around like this, walking around heaven, singing with all his friends. I'm stuck to my chord. That's what he was singing with his friends. Uh, I've had too much coffee already. Not only... Is it really good? It is. I've been, I've been bumping this in my car all week, because that's how I roll. I bump Jesus tunes in my car. Um, but the fact that they spent so many months praying and saying, God, we want to honor you, and we want to bless our community through the gifts that, that you've given us. And this is what came out of it. It's just, to me, that is so powerful. So, so grab one. They're 10 bucks for a CD, and then they're 5 bucks for each consecutive CD, so you can give them to your friends. Uh, I, we have a big family, and Friends, we, I think we bought 26. So um, you don't have to buy 26. That's a little bit overboard. You could buy like 23. That'd be fine. Um, but they're so good. So you can buy these out in the lobby and talk to the band about the process they've been on. It's been very, very fun. Uh, you also probably got some delicious toffee on your way. Can I, can I hear it for a little toffee when you came in? Yeah. Not only is this delicious toffee, but every delicious dollar that we raise goes to supporting our teams who are going overseas and going out of the country in 2015 to buy building supplies, supplies for uh, orphans, to buy school supplies. Uh, All of that goes to help getting our teams overseas to help people experience God's transforming love. So I would say buy some toffee. It's $12 per bag. It is delicious. And some of you are thinking, you know what, I would, but but I'm, you know, I'm I'm going on a diet or I want to be healthy, whatever. That's fine. Buy it give it to me. Just give it to me. That's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind plugging it. It's that good. So make sure you grab some toffee. At least taste it on the way out, because I'm telling you, first taste is free, but then you got to pay. It's that, it's that good. Yeah, that's two. That's two random things, and we're only five minutes into the message. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, and you're wondering, who on earth are you, and why are you talking to me like that at church? I'll say two things. One, I'm Kevin, and the lead pastor here at New Life. And two, I'm talking to you like this because at my core, I just believe that church should be fun. Among other things, I think church should be a time that we celebrate, that we laugh, that, that we get real and honest, and that we connect with God. And so, listen, I'm going to do my part. I'm already having fun. I want you to have fun as we connect with God because how fun is it to be here together in this community? If you're brand new with us, a few things you're going to want to do is you're going to want to grab inside your program this card that says Start Here. It's our connection card, and we would ask that you would just put your name and email address on this right now. Everybody go ahead and grab it. I can see you, so I know if you're not doing it. Um, grab it, name and email address, and we're going to give you opportunities to use this throughout our time together. You don't have to do anything with it right now except put your name on it. But if I've earned your trust by the end of our time together, I will ask you to do something with this a little bit later. It's just a simple way for us to connect with you and help you connect with the things that we're doing in our community. So go ahead and get that. And then there are some teaching notes in your program that will help you uh, follow along with where I'm going. There's some space to write in some thoughts and ideas so that you can take the things that we're learning and you can uh, work through them throughout the week. Because our hope is that this wouldn't just be a one-time experience that we have for an hour and five hour and ten minutes, but that this would be the launching point to a week where we're encountering God uh, consistently throughout our journey together. 
So I want to I talk to you about our topic. We're in week two of the series that we're calling Jesus Is. And the idea for the series kind of came out of this realization. If you and I walked down to downtown Petaluma and we just asked random people on the street, who do you think Jesus is? Or, or more specifically, if we said, finish this sentence, Jesus is blank. I believe that the answers would be as varied as the people that we meet. Some would say Jesus is or Jesus was a good teacher. Some would say that, that he's some sort of, of spiritual guru. Some people would say he's incredibly loving. Others would say he's incredibly hateful and bigoted. Uh, some would say that he was a lunatic. Some would say that somehow he's connected to God, but I'm not sure. Others would say he is God himself and, and that they know him and actually have some sort of friendship relationship with him. But one thing is certain— everybody would have an opinion about who Jesus is. And so I thought one of the greatest gifts that I could give our community as we head into this Christmas season, Merry Christmas, by the way, I can say that without you Thanksgiving people getting angry because Thanksgiving is over. Merry Christmas. I've been listening to Christmas carols for three weeks already. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, But the greatest gift I could give us in Christmas is to, to help us explore and discover that question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because I believe... When we figure out the answer to that question, it has implications on every area of our life. And so we are diving in. Basically, we started like this. We said last week, well, who does Jesus say he is? So we went to the very end of his life, and we said, Jesus has three bold claims about himself. And I told you, you don't have to believe these yet, but at least know what he says as we start this journey together. Jesus has three bold claims, that he is uniquely God, that when you see him, that, that there's God divine, some uniqueness in God, in Jesus, that, that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. And that was a huge claim that we talked about last week. And then third, that Jesus didn't come just to teach us about God, because the truth is lots of people can teach us about God, lots of people can tell us about God, but Jesus didn't come simply to teach us about God. He came to show us God. In fact, Jesus was talking to one of his best friends one day, and his friend said, would you just show me God? And he said to his friend, if you've seen me, you've seen God. If you know me, you know God. So here's what we're going to do during our time of exploration. We're going to take Jesus's bold claims, and now we're going to zoom all the way back to the very beginning of his life. In fact, back to his inception. And we're going to say, does his life stack up to the things he said about himself? Or we could put it this way, the things he taught, the things he did, the places he went, do they match up with that he is uniquely God, that he is the only way to God, and that he, in everything he did, showed us God? And so for these four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to look at Jesus's birth, because that's the thing that we're going to be celebrating on the 25th, and we're going to be asking this question, what does his birth show us about God? Because Jesus is the only person in human history who got to choose when he was born, where he was born, and who he was born to. He's the only teenager who, when he got angry at mom and dad, couldn't say, I wish I wasn't born into this family, because he picked his mom. He picked his earthly dad. And his birth teaches us some things about God that I think we need to know about God as we head into this Christmas season. So as we jump into the story of Jesus, when, where, who he was born to, I want to ask you a question, and I'll I'll warn you, I'm going to ask us to raise our hands, although I won't call on you, so don't get nervous about that, but I will ask you to raise your hand if you feel like you were born in a small town. You can define that however you want, but if you feel like you were born or raised in a small town, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise it up high. Uh, small town. Okay, keep them up because I want to I want to shrink that down a little bit. If you feel like if your town was less than let's say 10,000 people, keep your hand up. 
Hey, less than 5,000 people, keep your hand up. Okay, we've got a few of you. Less than 3,000 people, keep your hand up. Wow. Um, were you like the sheriff and the mayor of your town? That's, that's impressive. It's like uh, army of one. That's great. Um, less than 1,000 people? Wow. Less than 500 people? Okay, we'll leave it there. That's, that's impressive. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to picture a small town. So in your mind's eye, just picture a small town. We're talking 1,500 to 2,000 people, small town. And in this small town, I want you to picture a young teenage girl, 14, 13, 14 years old. We'll say freshman in high school, okay? Picture a freshman in high school in a tiny little small town. And this girl was raised in this small town, and it's got all the perks of a small town, and that everyone knows everybody else, and everybody watches out for everybody else. And there's lots of aunties and uncles in this small town. Everyone is kind of raising the, the kids together. Uh, there's a sense in this small town where this teenage girl is growing up that the success of one really reflects on the, not just the family, but the community. And so when one succeeds, everyone succeeds but it also has the downsides of a small town in the same way. See, if you were like me growing up, you don't want to live in a town where everybody knows you. That's not always a good thing. But in this small town, everybody knows you for better or for worse. Everybody's kind of up in everybody else's business in this small town. And if you fail in this small town, it doesn't just reflect on you. It doesn't just reflect on your family. But on some sense, you're letting down the entire community. But that's okay because this teenage girl in this small town, she's a good girl. She loves her mom. She loves her dad. She loves God. She's the kind of girl that never missed a curfew. She made her parents proud in everything she did, student of the month, every month. She never gave anybody reason to talk about her behind her back. People whispered all the time in this small town, but not about this girl. She was a good kid. She was a good girl. She never did anything wrong. And that was the way she liked it. See, this girl was content living in a small town, having a small town life, someday getting married and having a small town family, and then fading into relative obscurity. But that all changed one day when a visitor came to meet this small girl. Have you ever had a moment that fundamentally changed your life? Maybe it was the day you got married. You knew life was never going to be the same again. Maybe it was the day you first heard your child cry when he or she came into the world. Maybe on the other side of that, it was when you got a phone call at 3 a.m., and we all know that those are never good calls, and a loved one had died unexpectedly. See, we have moments in our life that, that fundamentally change the direction, the trajectory of our life. We have a lot of military families in here. Maybe it was the day you got called into your commanding officer, and he told you you were going to be restationed, but not to, not to Florida in the Coast Guard, but to Alaska in the Coast Guard. You're thinking, oh, geez, it has frozen over Maybe it was a, a national tragedy that you remember. For some of us in, in the room today, we remember the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed. We remember where we were and what we were doing. We remember the day that Kennedy was assassinated. That day fundamentally changed and shaped us. More recently, you remember where you were on that crisp September morning when you turned on the TV and you saw planes flying into the Twin Towers. And we knew with that one moment that things would never be the same again. For the small-town girl that we're going to look at today, this visitor is the visitor that changed everything at this moment. And the news he's about to give her is the news that fundamentally changed her life. And this small-town girl will never be the same after this day that we're going to look at 
and we find the story in one of the biographies of Jesus' life. There are four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to look at the book of Luke. It's, it's called Luke because it was written by a guy named Luke, and, and he tells the story of this small-town girl and this, this stranger that she meets one day in chapter 1 and verse 26 of the book of Luke. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And he was a descendant of David. And David is, is a kind of, um, for the Jewish people, he was like the greatest king who ever lived. He was like a, a national figure. And, and this guy, David is, or Joseph, is from the line of this great king David who lived before him. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And we're going to come back to this next part because Mary was greatly troubled at his words. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Mary's the small town girl. She's in her early teens, somewhere between 12 and 14, most likely. She's minding her own business. She's planning a wedding right now, and weddings were generally arranged marriages, and she might have known Joseph uh, from an early childhood time, and, and they're going through, and the year before their actual marriage, they as a couple were considered married. It was kind of a, um, the beginning of their marriage, although they couldn't consummate at that point, which that's disappointing for them if you're a young married couple, you know, but they're considered married at this point, and she's a virgin, and this is important. We're going to come back to this in a few minutes. Uh, she is living life with God. She's living life for God. She is a good girl trying to do life God's way in this little town called Nazareth, out of the way in the middle of nowhere, maybe 1,600 to 2,000 people. I mean, we're talking small town. And this angel shows up to her, and he has an odd greeting. I want you to think about a time when you had a friend come up to you, and they've given you an odd greeting, something like this. Do you ever have someone come up to you and say, hey, don't take this the wrong way, but, or, um, I don't want to offend you, but, but did you see that outfit before you put it on this morning? You know, or, don't take this the wrong way, but your children are horrible. Uh, what is it about that, that greeting? When someone says, don't take this the wrong way, immediately our hackles go up inside and, and we get tense and we draw back and we brace ourselves because we know that, that whatever they're about to say, there's probably only one way to take it and it's going to be the wrong way. And, and there's only one way to respond and it's to be offended. And on some level, Mary's having the same experience. See, the angel comes to her and he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. And for some reason, Mary braces herself. The Bible says she was troubled by his response. She was troubled by his response because she knows that there's probably more to the message. The angel probably didn't show up just to say, hey, just so you know, God likes you. Have a great day. No, there's probably a little bit more. And she's right. There's a lot more to this message. But, but the angel starts here specifically because he needs her to know something. Before he tells her what God sent him to tell her, he needs to know that God is fundamentally with her. Because she grew up in a nobody town. She's a nobody girl, and she has every reason to believe at this point in her life that God has forgotten about her. See, she grew up with stories about how God did miracles for her people. 
hundreds of years ago and thousands of years ago, how he, how he freed their people from slavery and how he, he parted the water of the Red Sea and the people crossed through, how he, gave them, how he gave them bread to eat, how he gave them a land to own and how he was good to them and they had a rich kingdom. But it, at this point in her people's history, they're kind of a nobody people. The Romans have come in, they've conquered the Jewish people, they're ruling over them, the Jews live in relative poverty no miracles have happened for hundreds of years, and, and this teenage girl is left wondering, is God really here? Is God really with me? Does God really see, see me? And I want to pull over to the side of the road for a second, and I want to talk to some of us, because I'm guessing in a room this size, there are some of us here, and, and we've got that same question. Is God, is God really here? Does God really see me? Does God really know about me? Sure, I hear stories about God working in other people's lives and doing miracles for them, but God doesn't seem to be showing up for me. And I feel alone, and I feel scared, and I feel tired. Is God really here? And the angel needed her to know that God, that God saw her, and that God was there. And in the same way, he wants us to know that, that he's here with us now. And not only was God, did God see her, but the angel said, and God is for you. You found favor with God. See, it's one thing to believe that God is some distant deity who set the world into motion, and now he looks down on us, shaking his finger, looking down his nose at us, disappointed in us. But, but that's not the God that Jesus came to show us in his birth. See, the God of the Bible is a God who not only sees us, but is actually for us. See, Jesus was super intentional about how he orchestrated his birth that we're going to celebrate on Christmas. He orchestrated his birth to show us that God, that God is with us and that God is for us. Let that sink in for a second. God is with you. He sees you. He knows you. He didn't forget about you. And as hard as it might be to believe right in this moment, God is for you. God has a plan for you. He's, he's not like a distant deity over there. He's like more like a personal heavenly father who's right here who loves you and has great dreams for you and hopes for you and plans for you, like any good father does. God, your heavenly father, he has plans and hopes and dreams for your life. And here, here's why, why this is so important for Mary, and here's why this is so important for us. See, the angel's about to tell Mary something that's going to test her trust in God to the very core. He's about to tell her something that in the moment will not seem like good news and in the moment will not seem like a dream. In fact, the opposite. In the moment, what he's about to tell her will feel like the death of a dream. So she needs to know God is actually with you and God is for you. And even though it might not feel that way right now, if you walk with God, you're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, he was for me. He was with me. And that thing that didn't make any sense in the moment, man, as I look back, it makes a ton of sense now. And here's what the angel told her. And, and try to hear this. Try to hear this through the lens that Mary would have heard this, okay? Because I know some of us have heard this story before, and it kind of, it rolls off our back. But I, I want you to hear this like she would hear this. Verse 31 says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne over his father David. Remember, David's that, that king. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And here's the million-dollar question that Mary has been waiting to ask. How? How is this going to happen? How can this be, she said, because I am a virgin? 
the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, because no word from God will ever fail. And I just want to pull over to the side of the road. If you're here and you're exploring faith, and this seems a little bit crazy to you, it, it is a little bit crazy. I, I just want to acknowledge, uh, we who, who are Jesus followers, we believe that this only happened one time ever, and will only happen one time ever. So for example, if your teenage daughter comes home tomorrow, pregnant, and says, hey, I promise I didn't have sex, it was God, Okay, she's lying to you. We believe she's lying. To, we don't think this happens all the time, but we think it happened this one time because God is in the business of doing supernatural, miraculous things from time to time, and he did it right here. And we're going to talk more about miracles in the next couple of months, but I just want to acknowledge that if this seems a little bit out, outside of your, your norm, listen, it is for us too. We think God did something unique in Jesus. Remember, we said we believe he is uniquely God. So, so I just want to throw that out there, put the cards on the table. Verse 38, this is her response, and, and I just, I think it's brilliant. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. And then the angel left. She didn't see him for a while. In 2013, a census came out that said that one in every 37 girls, age 15 to 19, got pregnant outside of wedlock. And in in the world that we live in, and this is not a commentary on that, but in the world that we live in, uh, this story loses some of its punch. Can we just be honest? People get pregnant without being married all the time. But but again, we have to put ourselves back some 2,000 years into Mary's shoes. This did not happen then. This did not happen 2,000 years ago. And it definitely didn't happen in a small town to a good girl, a small town girl who didn't live that kind of life. To Mary, this news that we celebrated Christmas did not seem like good news. In fact, in a lot of ways, this really felt like the death of a dream. A dream of getting married to Joseph and having a few kids and living a quiet life and and just kind of going about her next steps. See, getting pregnant in her community, in her culture, was a serious offense. An offense that didn't just bring shame to her in the generations to come, her kids and grandkids but to her entire family, and not just to her entire family, it brought shame to the entire community. And we have to remember, to make the story even worse, for all intents and purposes, she is married to Joseph at this point. And one thing's for sure, the baby isn't his. Try explaining that one to your friends and family. Uh, Surprise, I'm pregnant. Never had sex. It was God. Okay, they would think you were a lunatic. They would think you were crazy. Not, not only a liar, but unfit to, to have a child. Dads, how would you respond if your daughter came home like Mary did that day? I said, an angel showed up. He said, I'm carrying God's child. It's interesting, we don't see Mary's parents in the rest of the story. And I, I wonder how they responded on that day to her. I wonder if over the next five months, as the rumors began to grow along with her belly, if she had moments where she thought to herself, I wonder if it was an angel or if it was actually an evil spirit that came to wreck my life. I wonder if she thought to herself, this is not a dream. This is a tragedy. This is a nightmare. This is something that I will never 
recover from. And I wonder if she thought to herself over those next nine months, is it really worth it? Is following God in this moment really worth it? Because we have the gift of perspective, but she was in the moment, in the trenches right there. But it was in those moments when it seemed to Mary like her dreams were dying, that God was about to give birth to one of the greatest dreams that she could ever imagine, bigger than anything she could ever expect. Because the truth is, Mary's dreams were too small. They weren't bad dreams. Getting married, having kids, those aren't bad dreams, but they were too small. They weren't God-sized dreams. God had bigger dreams for her, grander dreams for her, more daring dreams for her, more risky dreams for her than she could ever imagine. And here's the thing about why and how Jesus orchestrated his birth. I think he orchestrated his birth to show us that it's never too late to dream with God. It's never too late to dream with God. Sometimes we think it is. We think that when dreams are dying, that's just the end. But the truth is, with God, he's always breathing new life into old dreams. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of life with God. Um, I want to tell you about, about my best, one of my best friends. His name is Mark. And we met the first day of first grade. Mark lived on the street right above me, and we were walking up to elementary school. My brother and I, I have a twin brother, and we were new to that school that year. And so as Mark walked around the corner, he looked like he was our age, and I was me even at six. So we just ran up and said hi to him and introduced ourselves, and, and we became friends. He ended up having class with my brother, and so after school, they came out and said, hey, can Mark come over to our house to play? And my mom said, sure. And Mark's older sister was in third grade. She started whining because she wanted to come over too. And we didn't want the girls around, but we knew it was a package deal. We don't get Mark unless Michelle comes too. So Michelle came over too. And I remember first day we ever met, we're running around our hot tub playing tag because that's a safe place to run around and play tag is around a hot tub. And Michelle, what a bully. She pushed me into the hot tub and I, I fell in and I cracked my chin wide open. I had to get stitches all down my chin and blood everywhere, you know. And her parents, their parents came over and they felt horrible. And my parents were like, look at my two kids, okay? Uh, they've already had casts, broken bones. This is like, this is nothing. And I think, I'm pretty sure Mark's parents thought, well, if our kids can beat up their kids and they'll still like us, we should be friends. We should be friends. This seems like a good deal. So we became the best of friends. We bought a boat and they bought a boat. We would water ski and wakeboard together. Uh, we grew up together. Mark and Todd lived together before both of them got married after college. We just became the best of friends. He's like a, a, a brother to me and his parents are like my parents. And Mark is this larger than life kind of guy. He, uh, he grew up big and strong. He's a great storyteller. He would tell stories about me wakeboarding and water skiing to a group of our friends. And we'd get to the end of the story and I'd be like, man, whoever he's talking about, this guy is amazing. And he'd say, and it was Kevin who was doing it. And I was like, you are an excellent storyteller. Not always the most truthful, but excellent, excellent. You can talk about me anytime. This is larger than life, big picture guy, big captain of the football team. And he had a dream about being a police officer. And so he, he tested for um, the police academy all over California, ended up getting a job in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which was his dream because he loves hiking and fishing and horseback riding and camping. And he became a police officer and did like task force and SWAT stuff. And he's living out there now with his family. He's married. They've got a three-year-old boy, same age as my little man, Landon, and a one-year-old little girl. And two weeks ago, on Sunday morning, two weeks ago today at 6 a.m., I got a call. Calls at 6 a.m. Are, are never good when you're in my business. And, uh, and it was my, my twin brother. And he said, hey, yesterday Mark got in a snowmobile accident in Jackson Hole. And, and he lost control, and he flew off, and he landed in a snow embankment. And he, he disintegrated his C7 vertebrae. And he, he broke his, his C6 in a number of spots. 
And, um, and then he laid there for a half hour with two friends before anyone could get to them because they're in Jackson Hole. And he couldn't move from his neck down. And he got to the hospital. And they said he's going to be paralyzed from the neck down. We're going to go in and do surgery. They put a cadaver's vertebra in for the one that had disintegrated, and they were able to fuse the other one together. And he came out of surgery about 3 a.m., and, and miraculously, there's Mark, uh, miraculously he could move his arms. And um, I probably shouldn't have put that picture up. Miraculously he could move his arms. And they said, it's, it's, it is a miracle because we thought he'd be paralyzed from the neck down. And all day I, I uh, was trying to get a hold of Mark to call him, to talk to him. And I got a hold of him a few days later. And, and we had a great conversation. We, we, being raised together, you know, we tell stories, we're laughing. He's a Raiders fan, so I said, man, your year just keeps on getting worse and worse. Um, he, he asked me, I said, what can I send you? He said, send me a Raiders jersey. I said, that's where I draw the line, pal. We're friends. I'll pray. But, um, and I said, well, what's going on? I said, well, it's, there's good news. I can, I can move my left leg, and I can wiggle my toes a little bit in my right leg. And, uh, and the doctors are starting to whisper. They can't talk about it because they'll get sued, but they're starting to whisper, saying, maybe, maybe he'll walk again, and maybe it'll be a full recovery. And they, they medevaced him to Denver, where he's going to spend the next four months to a year in a rehab center, and they got his family out there as well, and they're living across the street in a hotel. Their entire life in that moment changed completely. And, and Mark's dreams, being a SWAT officer, being a police officer, they changed in that moment. And so I asked him, after we made our jokes and talked and laughed, uh, I, I asked him, I said, Mark, how are you doing? Are you going through kind of some, some ups and downs? He said to me, Kev, it's the most amazing thing. And, and Mark is a man of faith who believes deeply in God. He said, it's the most amazing thing. He said, this experience over the last, at this point, week, he said, I have, I have sensed God's presence in my life more fully and deeply and powerfully than any time I can ever remember. And God is using this to reveal himself to me more than ever. And I talked to his wife, and through tears, she was saying a similar thing to me. And he said, I don't really have these downs. Even coming out of surgery that night, I just had a sense, I don't know if I'm going to walk again. I really don't know. And my hope is not necessarily that someday I'll be fully re restored, and I'm praying that he will. He said, but my hope's not in that. He said, I just have this sense that God has great things in store for my life. He said, my dream of being a police officer might have changed completely, but I think God's got a better dream for me moving forwards. And listen, if anybody ever had a reason to say my dreams are dead, it's Mark. It's Mark. And yet, in the midst of a dying dream, he's got a sense that God is birthing a bigger dream and a better dream, and a more powerful dream in his life than he could ever imagine. And I want to encourage you with that today. That is good news. I, I saw a video of him just yesterday or two days ago, and Mark's sitting up in a wheelchair, and he's moving his arms like this, and he, he, said, he said, watch this in the video, and up goes one leg, and up goes the second leg. And that, yeah, we can clap about that. That's something to be excited about. And he's moving his legs. He's moving his legs, and now they're saying, we've never seen anything like this. We think he's going to walk again, and he might actually have full recovery. But his hope's not in his recovery. He said, Kevin, I think God's going to use this story to change people's lives. And I'm praying that that starts actually today in our lives as we hear his story. I want to ask you today, is there an area in your life, is there an area in your life where you feel like a dream is dead and it's never going to come back to life? Or where you feel like you're done dreaming? See, I think for some of us in this room, we stopped dreaming with God years ago. Some of us think, you know what, 
I'm too old to dream with God anymore. I had dreams when I was young, but the, the ball of life started rolling, and it's rolling too fast, and I can't stop it now. There's, there's no dreaming for me. I'm too old. Others think, I'm too young to dream. I'll get my shot someday, but, but not today. And I want to tell you, if that's you, the greatest enemy of today is someday, because if you stack enough somedays together, you're going to look back on your life with a sack full of somedays and a bag full of regret, and that's all you're going to have. Is there something that's stopping you from dreaming today? One of the great things I love about our church is that we are full of people uh, who come just like we are, come just like we are, right where we are, exactly who we are. We don't try to, to put up walls and pretend we're somebody else. We come in because we believe that our God is a, love, a God who loves us and accepts us and invites us in right where we are, and then he, he changes us and transforms us by his love. But, but part of the thing about coming in is that we come in with a past, every single one of us, myself included. And I think there are some of us here who would say, if we're really honest, I can't dream about a future with God because I believe my past has disqualified me from God's future. And if that's you today, I just want to give you some hope. Here's what Jesus came to do. He came to show you it's never too late to dream with God. Mary was an unwed, pregnant teenage girl who had every reason to believe that it was, it was time to stop dreaming. Who was going to believe a story about getting pregnant with the Son of God? Nobody. And yet God was birthing a new dream in her. And I want to tell you this. If you think your past disqualifies you from God's future, you could not be more wrong. Listen, if you're still breathing, God's still working. And you've got to remember that today. Jesus orchestrated his birth to show us it is never, ever, ever too late to dream with God. Because the angel came and told Mary, God is with you. God is for you. And God has dreams for your life. I wonder what kind of dreams God might want to bring back to life for you this week. Maybe it's, maybe it's a marriage dream, a marriage that is failing in this holiday season. You just feel like it, there's no way it's coming back to life. I wonder if God wants to take the broken pieces of that dream and put them back together into something beautiful. Maybe it's a financial dream and you hate the holidays because everyone around you is talking about what they're buying and everything around you is telling you you've got to buy more and all you can think about is the mountain of debt that you're piling up and God wants to take that, dismantle the debt and bring you financial freedom. Maybe it's a financial dream today. Maybe it's a ministry dream. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines for years at our church saying, someday I'm going to get involved in ministry, man. Someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my talents. I know God's given me some talents to do some things that would make an impact in this world. And you're sitting on the sidelines and God wants to take that dream and he wants to, he wants to form it and give birth to it today. Maybe it's a vocational dream. Maybe you're in a dead-end job that is just sucking the life out of you and you think there's no way out. But, but maybe God wants to dream with you in that. Maybe he wants to change your perspective and keep you in the same job or maybe he wants to move you to a new job. I don't know. But what if we started dreaming with God today about our work? For some of us, and this was me a couple years ago, I'll be totally honest with you, it is a, it's a broken relationship that you feel like has disintegrated past the point of ever being able to dream about finding hope again. Maybe it's with a parent or a child or a sibling or a best friend. And you think there's no hope that that relationship would ever be restored. I want to tell you, God's in the business of taking broken dreams and rebuilding them this Christmas season because God is with you and God is for you and God has a plan for your life. Or maybe it's the dream of actually having a relationship with a loving God who sees you and knows you. If you're here today, maybe you were raised going to church, but you walked away, and there are all numbers of reasons why we walk away from going to church at some point in your life. 
Or maybe you were never raised in church, and God's always been this thing out there, but for some reason, something's drawn you to explore the realities of faith again today. Maybe for you, that the dream of one day having a relationship with God is the dream that God wants to bring to life today. Because the Bible says that the greatest gift that God could ever give, he already gave. He gave his son Jesus on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be restored to a loving Heavenly Father who knows us and has a plan for us and who wants to have a relationship with us. And if you've never known God like that, if he's always been some distant deity out there but not a loving Heavenly Father here, then the dream today could become a reality and you could know God and have a relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And I'm going to invite you, I'm going to invite you to start a journey with God to say yes to him and to begin, this, to begin this relationship that is the foundation for every other dream that God wants to build into your life. Because God knows you. God loves you. God has a plan for you, and the plan starts as you walk into a relationship with him. So would you join me? Let's pray together. And if you're ready to pray that prayer, you can just whisper those words right where you're sitting. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I say yes. Yes, I, I, I want I want to open the gift that you've given to me. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would, would you come into my life, Lord? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you in a personal relationship every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you, if you prayed that prayer today, I've been praying for you generically all week and especially this morning, but I want to pray for you specifically this week. And the way I, that you can let me know that you made that decision so I can pray for you is by taking this card that says start here. That's our connection card. And on the back it says, I want to apply today's teaching by, and the first one says, I'm entering into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer, if you're starting that journey, would you mark that on your card? I want to celebrate that with you. I want to, I want to pray for you, and we want to get you some resources to give you some next steps on that journey of faith. So mark that on your connection card. The next one is for all of us. It says, I'm going to spend some time this week dreaming with God about his plans for my life. And I kept that, I kept that generic on purpose because I, I wonder what our week would look like this week if we really believed at our core that God sees us, that he, that he is for us, that he loves us, and that he has a plan for our lives. I wonder what our life would, would look like this week. I wonder what our prayers would, would feel like this week. I wonder, I wonder what our dreams would be like if we believe God is actually partnering with me to create some big dreams. So I left that generic, but if, if you're going to take that step, maybe as I was talking, some area of your life came up, and you want to pray into that this week and ask God what he might want to dream with you about this week. You can write that down in your connection card, and man, I would love to be praying for you this week as well. Uh, well, we're going to be passing some baskets in just a second. Those connection cards are going to go in. The other thing you'll put in are your tithes and offerings. So if you came prepared to give, uh, you can put your tithes and offerings inside this envelope, and then you can drop it in the basket when it's passed. If you're new with us, please don't feel obligated to give. In fact, we want to give you something. Uh, we've got these bags that say guest gift out in the lobby. If you're new with us today, you are our guest, and you are a valued guest here with us, and we hope you had a great time. We just want to give you one of these on your way out. No strings attached. We just want to say thanks. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, whether you're just traveling from out of town or you're in the area, man, we just want to say thank you for being here. So grab one of these on your way out. And the rest of us, what a great opportunity to bless God with our generosity so that God can do what only he can do through our giving. Would you join me? Let's pray and then I'll pass those baskets. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to continue our worship experience uh, by giving back to you a portion of what you have so freely given to us. Lord, we ask that you would use the generosity of our community to bless
the people of our city and the surrounding cities and ultimately to bless people around the world because we know, God, that you love our community and this world with a very deep and real love. So we ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those baskets are being passed. You can put in your Connect card and tithes and offerings. And hey, let's say thanks to uh, our student ministries team who is doing guest services today. Thank you guys for being with us today. We love having you serve. I do want to say two things as those baskets are being passed. One, uh, this Friday is our Poker for Presence poker tournament right here inside the auditorium. All proceeds go towards uh, supporting families through the local committee on the shelterless, COTS, here in town. We're going to give Christmas to families who wouldn't otherwise have Christmas. So when you buy your ticket in, that money goes to getting Christmas for families who wouldn't otherwise have Christmas. Guys, gals, we're all welcome. It's this Friday. More information uh, in the programs, and you can buy your tickets, but it's the last day to buy tickets. So if you want to get your ticket, today's the day. If you want to come, but for some reason finances are tight, that's okay. Someone actually just donated four extra tickets. So the first four people who are up there who say, you know what, I want to come, but I don't have the resources for it, you can have a free ticket, but you actually actually have to go talk to them to get that free ticket, and we'll get that set up for you. That's this coming Friday, which is going to be awesome. We're hoping to have close to 100 people here playing poker, so that'll be great. The other thing is uh, this coming Sunday, one week from today, we have our Asante Children's Choir. They're coming in, and many of us support orphans through Asante Ministries, an African children's ministry that gives uh, housing and food and education to families, and they're going to come. They're going to do a great show for us, and then we're going to hear a little bit about the ministry, and we have an opportunity to sponsor more orphans uh, through this coming Sunday night. So that's a can't-miss thing, especially if you have kids. Man, what a great uh, cross-cultural experience for them to see that God doesn't just love them, but God really loves all of us around the world. It's going to be fantastic. Well, Merry Christmas. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you back here next week. you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.